big things in life is to be able to make an impact on others. So if you're feeling well, you'll be able to help others more likely. Apples! Welcome back to the weekly podcast, The Good Apple, with me, your host, Sharonda Simone. The Good Apple is a place where Christ followers, at any stage of your walk, can learn to apply powerful, life-transformative, biblical truths to live in the world, but not of the world, according to John 15. We are a community of kingdom kids who live bright lives, seasoned and salty, with lots of godly flavor to enhance the world as directed in Matthew 5. We are the remnant of God's people, the good apples, who invite God into our everyday lives and live in success, health, wealth, prosperity, peace, and applied biblical knowledge as those spoken of in Isaiah 65. Apples, welcome or welcome back. Hello, Apples. Welcome back to another episode of the Good Apple Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Sharonda Simone. Happy Sunday to you. Hope you are ready for today's information. We have a special guest. I've actually spoken with this guest and interviewed him about five or six years ago. And so he's here again, a different platform, okay, different platform than last time, but he still is going to give us such good information and I cannot wait for us to get into it. So hope you're ready. Hope you have your notebooks ready because you are going to be really, really impressed with his information. So Every Sunday, you know that we start off by welcoming all of our returning listeners. Apples, thank you so much. You guys are here for me every Sunday, and I am so appreciative of that. Um, Thank you, too, for all of our new listeners. If you're just coming across the Good Apple podcast, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Here we are a fun group of Christ-loving people, so if that is who you are, then you're in the right place. Be sure to connect with the Good Apple community on social media. All of the links will be down below in the show notes. Check us out. Get involved. Um, I'm really hoping to continue on with more seasons. So we are wrapping up season five. Now, by the time this episode goes out, we might be well into season six. (laughs) So long story short, there are many episodes that you can get caught up on. I know a few good apples have reached out to me and said that they have repeated some of the previous episodes because they just have found them so helpful. So all praise be to God. It is not me. I'm simply a mouthpiece for him. All right. See, every Sunday, you know that I do like to give a good apple shout out. All right. So this Sunday is no different. So right after this quick break, I'm going to do our good apple shout out for this Sunday. So stay tuned. This episode of the Good Apple Podcast is being sponsored by DrSharondaSimone.com. Christian lifestyle, beauty, and evangelism. It's the one-stop shop for locks on the low living, home decor, motherhood, aging gracefully, and Christian lifestyle and inspiration. So be sure to check out DrSharondaSimone.com and join my exclusive email listserv where you'll get content specially crafted just for you from me. Head over to DrSharondaSimone.com for more information. Now back to our show. This Sunday's Good Apple shout out goes to Kim W. Kim W. listens in from Jamaica. 
and I know this woman personally. We did go to school together, so I'm really excited to see that we were able to reconnect. It has been quite some time since I have spoken to her, but when I saw that she is a member of the Good Apple community, then I was really excited, and I just knew that she had to be this week's Good Apple shout-out. So, Kim, thank you so much for tuning in, for being a member of the community. I'm so happy that you are here. I pray that you continue to get blessed through the information that we share here. So again, Kim W., thank you so very much for being here. If you are able, go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for another day, another opportunity to come and fellowship with other Christ followers around the world. Lord, thank you so very much for the information and for the education and training and experience that you have allowed for our guest speaker to have, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity for us to learn about better ways and best practices to care for this body that you've given us, Lord. Lord, I ask right now that you would just remove any distraction from my midst and from the midst of our listeners and from our guest speaker, Lord. I ask right now that you would just bless this conversation, Lord, and let it be fruitful to all who hear it. Lord, all of this we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, the apples. Our guest for today is none other than Dr. Richard J. Rimler. But he's affectionately known as Doc Rick, and he is one of the few holistic podiatrists in the country. Doc Rick's philosophy and his website is called Start With Your Feet. His practice model consists of giving his patients the proper foundation under their feet, hence the development of his personally designed economical orthotic line called Doc Rick's Orthotics. All right, the apples. So like I mentioned, we are going to have a wonderful conversation with Doc Rick. You are really going to enjoy the information. He is a wealth of knowledge. So make sure you reach out to him as soon as we are done here because he has so much that he can share and, and teach us and he can really enrich our lives, our physical life. So Doc Rick, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you, Dr. Sharinda? I am so well. It's so good to hear your voice. You're always so pleasant and, and effervescent and perky. I like it. I like it. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule, you know, to chat with our Good Apple community, and I know they're going to appreciate it as well. Now, I am going to really just give you the floor, Doc Rick, because, you know, this is your time to really educate the uh, the community and let us know, you know, how it is that we can live a more holistic life, especially when it comes to not only our foot and ankle health, but our whole body health. So a lot of the listeners know, um, but I am a podiatrist and so is Doc Rick. So it's really good to have a colleague on the line. You are my first podiatrist that I've ever interviewed. So thank you for that. And I know that I said this before in the introduction, Apples, but I just want to stress it again that Doc Rick is one of the very few holistic podiatrists in the country, in the U.S. So, again, we have a stellar, stellar opportunity uh, to chat with him, and so I'm excited. All right, Doc Rick, go ahead and introduce what you're going to tell us today, and I'll let you have the floor. Okay, thanks, Doc. So, um... I'm going to talk about a few different subjects that are the 
uh, main uh, stanchions for my philosophy and website called Start With Your Feet. So one of the things, and Dr. Sharunda, you'll be able to relate to a lot of this being a podiatrist yourself. So we are, we are podiatry colleagues, so a lot of this is information that you might know, but I have my own take on it. So, of course, it's going to be a little bit personalized from over 35 years of practice and doing holistic podiatry by choice starting about 2011 when I decided that I really wanted to get best results, but mainly focusing on the lack of, of bad side effects for my treatments. So, for instance, I wanted to make sure that the treatments that I did would not inadvertently land the patient in the hospital, for instance, with a stomach ulcer from taking an Advil. So if I can find a safer way to do it, I'm going to do it. So I found a way to do it, and I keep on learning every day and trying to expand my arsenal. And so it's working out pretty well. So I'm going to start off by talking about the, the actual foundation to good health, which is supportive shoes. So the first thing you, you want to do when you look at a shoe and let's just start, let's just start talking about the, the more supportive shoes to start. So the more supportive shoes to start are going to be a sneaker, walking shoe, uh, hiking shoe. So I'm talking about a laced shoe, not a dressy shoe. So this is going to be used for exercise, for daily living activities such as shopping, even walking around the house, cooking, cleaning going on vacation, you're doing a lot of walking, at the very least, you want to have a good supportive shoe for that. So the first thing that you want to do when you look at the shoe is you want to go right behind the heel, the lower part of the heel. You want to take your thumb and your opposite fingers, and you want to squeeze the bottom of the heel. You want to make sure that that heel is not squeezable. So you want it to be nice and sturdy back there. Unfortunately, most of the shoes today, the vast majority, even very expensive shoes, are very flimsy back there. And I have no idea why the shoe companies do that. It wouldn't take a lot of cost to put some plastic behind the heel to firm it up, and that would automatically make it a much better shoe. But they don't. So you have to go out of your way to make sure that once you find the style that you like, go right to that rear portion of the shoe. And if you can get your fingers together when you squeeze it, then try to pick a different style, a different model. So that's step one. Then step two is that you want to make use of a lace or a Velcro closure so that you can actually push your foot back into the rear. And that's why it's important for the rear to be firm because you want, you want to be pushed back there. And then if the back part behind the heel is sturdy, then you're halfway towards getting a more stable foot. And that's why I'm not a big fan of loafers or slides for, as, a, as a shoe choice. And it might look nice, and it's okay to wear those at a dressy occasion here and there. But you don't want to wear that shoe like Monday through Friday going to work because there's too much foot motion in that kind of shoe. So there's nothing pushing you back. So that's an important point. So the next thing I look for in the shoe is the inner sole, and I want the inner sole to be easily removed for a few reasons. 
Hello, Apples. You're listening to the weekly podcast, The Good Apple, that airs on Sundays. Thank you so much for being here. Now back to our show. So let's say you have a bunion. You could take that inner sole out. You can cut it below the bunion, right where the shoe starts to flare out by the toes. You can put that inner sole back in from the heel to the ball of the foot. You get rid of the material from the ball to the, to the end of the shoe. You've automatically given yourself an extra half a size in your shoe size. So if you have a bunion, if you have a hammer toe, if you have anything in the front of the foot, even a nail that, that's bothersome, an ingrown toenail, a thick fungus toenail, you're going to gain a half a size there. So that's without changing. Let's say that you were in the wrong size. You can give yourself some more room until you get your next shoe just by doing that. So you can help the situation. The next time you go get a shoe, obviously, you want to go to the next rule for shoes, which is you put the shoe on, you take your thumb, uh, the, the width of your thumb needs to be from your longest toe, which may be your first, second, or third, then you put your thumb down past your longest toe. You want to be able to actually visualize the shoe on the other side of your thumb which is roughly an inch. So if you take your thumb sideways from your longest toe, put it down, that you clear the toe, look down, you want to see the shoe on the other side. My patients are amazed that it's okay to have an inch of room at the tip of the toe, but it is. You want to get that shoe away from the front part of your foot, you'll have much fewer problems. And then, of course, if you're dealing with a bunion, which is a bony prominence on the inside of the foot by the first toe joint, that is going to potentially cause your foot to, get, to, to be wider. And so, therefore, not only do you want that proper length with the one inch uh, of thumb's width, but you also want to be getting a wide width or potentially an extra wide width. So you have to match the foot to the shoe. And, therefore, you're going to have much less problems of having foot pain just from doing that. So, as I was saying before, a sneaker, walking shoe, running shoe, hiking shoe, those are going to be the most supportive shoes. But, of course, you're not always going to be able to wear that kind of shoe. So, for instance, a lady's dress shoe. So, what I like to say to my ladies when they want to go dressy is not to go with a slide, like I said before, and not to go with a pump, per se, um, but instead, I like to recommend an ankle-high, or if you're in a northern climate in the winter, a knee-high boot. So therefore, the same thing. You want it firm behind the heel, but the key thing with the boot that it will allow you to do is it will allow you to get the proper length, and you won't come out of the shoe. Whereas if you are trying to get the correct length on a loafer, you're, there's a good chance your heel is going to slip out of the back. And then you're going to be forced to get a shoe that's too short. When that happens, bad things happen to follow. So I'm always looking to try to prevent problems, so that's what I'm trying to recommend. So get that shoe away from the toes. So also, if you're going to wear a heel, I like to recommend for the ladies a a wedge rather than a, a pointy stiletto so there's more surface area between the ground and the foot. And... Try to do open toe if possible so the front of the foot's not going to get squeezed. Okay, so now we come to the, I practice in Hollywood, Florida, Hallandale, Hollywood area, South Florida. So there's lots of sandals going around. 
and that's fine. But the thing that's not fine is a flimsy thong sandal. That's, that's never fine, not even in the house. So, but it's okay to wear an athletic-type slide sandal around the house. That's much more preferable to a slipper that's possibly going to be squeezing the front part of your foot. You just have to know that the middle part of the, of the sandal should not be twistable like a pretzel. You want it to be nice and sturdy. If it can have a little bit of an arch support in, built into it, fine. Try to go with a more rubber sole than a hard sole. It's going to be more comfortable. And then I like to say that if you want to wear that same type of shoe style outside the house, you're going to be doing a lot of walking in it. Try to get a strap behind the heel on the sandal. So that would be along the lines of a, uh, a dressier sandal that has a strap or a hiking sandal that's a little bit more informal but that made for doing actual walking. So those are the things that I like to educate my patients about in regards to shoes. And it's amazing that I have patients come in with a, a $200 pair of sneakers and or dress sneakers, and I go right to the rear, and it's squeezable. And I'm going, I hate to tell you this, but this shoe is not acceptable in my eyes, and you're going to have to eventually replace that, hopefully before your foot or your ankle or your leg or your back starts to hurt. So... Uh, there is a little trick that I do uh, when the back of the shoe behind the heel is loose. And my trick is putting a adhesive piece of felt under the tongue of the shoe. The tongue is the part that's right underneath the, the top of the laces when you're lacing it up. So by putting some felt underneath the tongue, you can help to push the foot back. And I find that if you push the foot back, even in a shoe that's very loose behind the heel, you're going to cut down on the motion. And the name of the game for cutting down pain and problems in your feet is to reduce motion. So you want to have a stable foot. Everything that you're saying sounds like um, an echo in my practice as well. Uh, my patients are a little bit, well, the population is different because I work with mostly geriatric patients. Um, however, what you're saying, Doc, I mean, it's straight on, right on the money. I mean, some, you know, takeaways I just really want to reiterate because you, you touched so much there. Apples, I'm sure as you were listening, you were like, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know that. So thank you so much, Doc Rick. Um, there are a few things that I wanted to just reiterate. Doc Rick, said, look, even around the house, you have to wear supportive shoes. And so often, I'm sure you can relate to this, Doc, you'll tell a patient, you know, okay, here's what I prescribe, you know, here's the type of shoe style. And, you know, let's say they're dealing with something like plantar fasciitis or, you know, heel pain. And we say, okay, you need to wear this kind of shoe, this kind of support. And they will do all of that, but only when, you know, they're out and about. So, let's say someone doesn't leave the house but two times a week and then they come in and they're saying okay well you know there's not significant relief or i'm still having pain and of course you know there are other treatments that go along with you know resolving heel pain but it's so important to know that when you're active that's when you need the support 
So even if you're just at home, wearing supportive shoes is so important. So that was a really great point, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. And then, of course, the anatomy of the shoe, we call it. I mean, all those things, what I like to say is, you know, when I have a patient come in and they take their shoes off, like you, they're spending lots of money, or they come in with a, a grocery bag full of shoes, and they're like, you know, I still have all this pain, I've spent all this money, and I look at the shoes, and I can roll them up into, like, I almost make a, um, a cinnamon roll. And I show them, well, look, there's no support, you know, so the anatomy of the shoe, I mean, that, that's, that is a big, big deal, especially because right now, well, I mean, it's probably always been this way, but especially now when fashion is, you know, just anyone can create, anyone can make, you know, products, you'll find that there are very fashionable or trendy items that truly lack the integrity of the support that is needed. You know, so when someone comes in and they've spent all this money, you're like, well, unfortunately, like you tell your patients, I hate to tell you, you've wasted dollars, you know. Um, and then the other thing, now I have a question for you, which, you know, I have my own take on this, but I just wanted to, you know, see where you are with it. So let's say someone is going to get a new shoe and, you know, they understand, okay, the, you know, thumb rule or the one inch rule beyond the longest toe, very important. We all think the big toe is the longest toe, not necessarily. Uh, it could be, you know, usually it's the first, second, or third, but it could be any toe. So from the longest toe, that width. But do you recommend, Doc Rick, trying the shoe on in a seated or standing position, or do you not think it makes a difference? Oh, no, you definitely want to do it standing because your foot's going to go forward in the shoe when you stand. So even if you're laced up and you're tucked tucked back snugly, your foot's still going to move forward a bit just from the overall weight bearing and the motion that happens with the, the, the pronation that happens on the foot when you put some weight on it. That's going to expand the length of the, of the foot. So you definitely want to stand up when you do that, for sure. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, one of the things I'm happy about is that they're starting to make dress sneakers now, which I'm very happy about because one of the things that especially women are not too fond of wearing sneakers unless they're going to go to the gym, for, for instance. But if you, can make, if you can make something that's going to be aesthetically more stylish, then maybe women will wear sneakers more. And then if they're wearing sneakers more, then that gets us into... The second thing that I wanted to talk about, which is orthotics, which is, to me, they're eyeglasses for your feet. So people, when they get to be around 40, they don't really think twice about, oh, I better go to the optometrist or the ophthalmologist and get my eyes checked because things start to happen right around 40. And I'm of the same, uh, the same adage as when you're 40 that you should actually that's when at the very least you should start to wear orthotics even if nothing is wrong because that's when things start to happen that's when arthritis starts to take a little bit more hold that's when lower back issues start to take more hold so why don't you make use of this new type of shoe style that's starting to become more popular the dress sneaker so that you can therefore get your get your good shoe and then get your orthotic, which is made for that kind of shoe. Then you're going to be walking around a lot more stable than just having a rear firm heel behind your heel 
that you're going to have something under the foot, which is part two for the stability of the foot. So you have behind the heel is one and getting laced back. Part two is the orthotic foundation under the foot. So an orthotic is not just an arch support. Um, there's a prescription involved, and it's not just directed towards the middle of the foot. You have to approach the back of the foot and the front of the foot also, all three levels of the foot. If you do that, then you are really going to do a much better job of controlling the motion. So I was always frustrated when years ago um, patients, so many patients needed orthotics, and then I would tell them the price, and hardly anyone would want to get it. So I made it a mission to find a, an orthotic lab that would work with me to create a vision so that I can create a more economically priced yet functional and some an orthotic that actually is doing something, not just a piece of material under the foot that has a little piece sticking up on the inside of the arch. Um, I wanted to do something that was going to really stabilize the foot. So luckily, I was able to, over many years, trial and error, back and forth between myself and the lab, and I was able to do it in a way that I don't need to take a cast, that I'm doing it uh, just by evaluating my biomechanical findings that I find from the patient, also taking into account such things as if they have a lower back issue, if they have neuropathy from a variety of different things, such as diabetes. And all of these things get taken into uh, account to then write the prescription that I then send to the lab, and the lab makes it to order. And the, o the only thing that I do uh, for the patients in the office is I take a measurement. So I've been using them, and so, but therefore, by simplifying the whole process, I'm able to charge a lot less on an orthotic. So a typical orthotic might be four, five, six hundred dollars. I'm charging two hundred nineteen dollars in my office for a pair of orthotics. So I call them Doc Rick's orthotics, and I have actually designed a couple of orthotics that I am um, making available to the general public without my exam, and that's a uh, a, a, a template that I have come up with for two basic materials that are, that are very comfortable that have what I call a default prescription into it that I have found that 99% of feet will benefit from. So I put those into my online orthotics that doesn't require an exam, and I'm selling those on my online store, startwithyourfeet.com, for $119. And I don't think that you're going to be able to find anything for that quality at that price anywhere. And so I'm very proud to be able to now offer this to America because my goal is to make America healthier. I was very saddened to see how many people in this country uh, passed away from COVID-related issues and not even withstanding heart disease diabetes-related issues, all of these different health-related issues that could be helped if people were more active and, in, and not particularly as uh, weighing as much, potentially, 
which leads to a whole host of inflammatory-related re uh, health issues. So if we can get the feet under control with the right material and you're walking around more, they've done a study. They did a study recently where they, they said that if you can walk around at age 50 in a very brisk way, you're going to live longer than if you are walking very, very slow at the age of 50. So mobility does equal longevity. So therefore, it's really important to pay attention to just to make sure that you have a, the basic knowledge of a laced shoe, for instance, or a Velcro, and a foundation under your foot, hence the orthotic, to go along with it. So you want to make the foot more stable with the orthotic, and it's going to lessen your chance of injuries and problems with the lower extremity all the way up to the back. So if the back issue is mild and you put the right foundation under it, well, then there's a good chance that that back issue won't progress to something more debilitating that might even require surgery one day. So there's something to be said for being proactive with your health. And if not, just being able to, like, say, you know what, I, I want to be healthier. I don't want to be on 10 different medications. I don't want to be overweight. So you have to get mobile that way. So that's where the shoe orthotic combination comes in. And I was very uh, particular about making sure that the orthotics were comfortable. So don't want to make don't want to make them too hard. I'm sure, Dr. Sharinda, you have seen patients come in and they're in their 80s or 70s. They take their orthotic out of their shoe, and it's a firm, firm piece of graphite or plastic that has no give to it. And they were made those orthotics 30 years ago when they were much younger, and they're like having trouble tolerating them for more than 20 minutes. But they keep wearing them. And I'm going, you know what, that orthotic does not really match your foot, so you really should get a different one that's going to be, have a little bit more give to it. So an orthotic does not have to be a firm, firm piece of material. It can be softer, but let it be based on the foot type and let it be based on other factors and make sure that it's comfortable so that you can then wear it. And so, as I, as I said, I like to call my... My, my orthotics eyeglasses for your feet. Orthotics are eyeglasses for your feet. They're going to help your foot function better. And I try to buy shoes where the insole comes out. So when I'm doing my running in the morning, which I'm going to talk about next, I put them in my sneakers. I take the insoles out, put the orthotics in. Then when I'm done, switch them into my dress sneakers that I wear to work and I'm wearing them at work. And then I come home and I switch them back into the, into the sneakers, ready for the next run the next morning. So they follow me around, and uh, that's how I try to back up what I'm, what I'm making all of these suggestions. I actually do it myself. So I try to do everything that I suggest to my patients. So I try to walk the walk, not just talk it, but walk it. So... Any comments on orthotics from your end, Dr. Sharunda?
That is really good information, Doc. Thanks so much. I mean, the way you're delivering it is just, it's crystal clear. And so I know that the listeners, I know you guys are really soaking all this information in. And as you're talking, I'm like, wow, you know, there are just certain things that, you know, I'm, I wouldn't even say if it's universal or not, I'm not sure. But just the concepts that you're sharing, it is, it's great to know that, okay, you know, as foot doctors, as those who specialize in, you know, the lower extremity and really just the whole body because everything is truly connected, right? Um, it is so great to hear these common, you know, this concept as a common thread because I too tell my patients like, you know, just as your eyeglasses help to correct your vision, say you have double vision or near vision, you know, um, nearsighted, farsighted, whatnot, just as your glasses do, that's what a good pair of orthotics can do for your feet, you know? Um, so I firmly believe that prevention is better than cure, you know? So I tell my patients, you know, I'll have some, you know, younger patients in, you know, 20s and 30s, and they'll come in and they don't have any problems manifesting, but they have the excessive pronation, which is you know, what we, what's called flat foot deformity, right? Or they have extremely high arches, pes cavus deformity, and they'll come in and they're not having any issues. Now they're telling me about different problems, right? Skin infection or whatnot. But the truth is that down the line, that foot structure, unless it's properly supported, down the line with age, with repetitive use, like Doc Rick said, arthritis can set in pain can set in, you know, tendon issues and um, tendinosis, tendinopathy, all those things can set in. And so prevention is better than cure. Um, and, you know, I think that even just as Christ followers, we are supposed to be taking care of our temple, you know, taking care of our bodies and doing the very best we can, realizing that, you know, the more we have vitality and the more we're able to be, you know, to move and to actually live a life in full, we can actually be more effective in the kingdom, you know, so I know that usually here on The Good Apple, we talk a lot, you know, about our spiritual health, and that is so important, that is definitely the most important, right, our spiritual health, but the Bible also tells us that we are to take care of our temple, so having this conversation with Doc Rick, I'm so happy that we're able to bring this to The Good Apple community, um, and, you know, I was also very interested, because I have not seen the dress sneaker but guess what today I was speaking with my nurse and he was telling me that there was someone that he knew that wore a pair of dress sneakers to an event and I was like huh, that's a concept so I have to look into these dress sneakers that I keep hearing about um, because yes you're right as a woman who is into fashion I would you know definitely appreciate better options for good footwear that's comfortable and that looks aesthetically pleasing. And a few years ago, I began to draft up, you know, some some mock drawings and some ideas for a, you know, a, for footwear for women who have, you know, deformities like bunions, hamatos, flat foot deformity, or even if you have what we would consider a normal foot structure, but you still want to have support and you still want to look nice. So there's definitely a market for that. And as far as the orthotics are concerned, I'm so excited that you have, you know, put in the, the work and the dedication to construct some quality devices that are not going to break the bank because, you know, we want for healthcare to be accessible to as many people as possible and 
by far custom orthotics or, or supportive orthotics, even if they're prefabricated, but quality made arch support, uh, foot support is the foundation of a lot that we do as foot and ankle specialists, as, even as surgeons, you know, if you're on the holistic side, surgical side, it doesn't matter, you know, I think we can all agree that prevention is better than cure and we always opt for the non-surgical before surgical. That's just good medicine, it's good practice. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying this. Everything you're saying has been extremely helpful and um, I am eager to hear back from our community listeners. Now we're going to take a quick break, Apples, okay? So right after the break, Doc Rick is going to wrap up with the third part of his uh, information for us. You really don't want to miss it, so stay tuned. This episode of The Good Apple Podcast is being sponsored by DrSharondaSimone.com. Christian lifestyle, beauty, and evangelism. It's the one-stop shop for luxe on the low living, home decor, motherhood, aging gracefully, and Christian lifestyle and inspiration. So be sure to check out DrSharondaSimone.com and join my exclusive email listserv where you'll get content specially crafted just for you from me. Head over to DrSharondaSimone.com for more information. Now back to our show. Okay, Apple, so right before that break, we were talking with Doc Rick, uh, and he is a holistic podiatrist practicing out of Florida. All of his information will be linked down below in the show notes so that you can reach out to him and get more information. So much goodness. I am so very happy and, again, so grateful to you, Doc Rick, for speaking with us. Now, there is a final piece uh, to your what, – what, what did you call it? Three of my – Three of my six pillars. Ah, three of six pillars. Okay, so there are more. <laughs> you can have me back. You can have me back in the future, and I'll talk about my other three pillars, which are organic nutrition, vitamins and supplements, and stress management. And that's basically pretty much everything you need to live a good, clean, healthy life. Good, good. Okay, so apples. You heard it, okay? We take that as a verbal contract, Doc Rick, so we're going to have to set something up for the future. Um, but before I have you jump into the, um, the last bit for this episode, I did just want to echo something that you said. Um, so off air, you and I were chatting a bit before we started, you know, recording, and I was mentioning to you that, you know, on a personal note, I recently began health management with a functional medicine specialist and it has been such an outstanding experience um, i still follow up with her consistently and even as you know someone who has formal medical training right so four years of medical school three years of surgical residency over a decade in practice it was still very eye-opening and so the holistic approach functional medicine approach Apples, you know, if there are certain ailments you're dealing with, you know, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, I mean, even just joint aches and pains, arthritis, yes, I do see the need for, you know, traditional medicine, your primary care provider, but I also see 
a very huge need and impact for a functional medicine and holistic medicine specialist, okay? Because when I tell you that there are so many things that even though I knew and I know medically as a doctor, putting them, putting everything all together and really having that understanding as a patient, you know, from a patient perspective was just extremely helpful. And, you know, so again, I mentioned before, I'm going to say it again, Doc Rick is one of the very few holistic podiatrists. And I, I know that you can already tell that he has a wealth of knowledge and you're going to get information from him that you wouldn't get from, you know, even say another podiatrist who has not spent this much time looking into the functional medicine aspect you know, of it all. And so I just, I just wanted to echo that and say, you know, talking with my functional medicine specialist and just seeing how it has impacted my health in a positive way. And I'm someone who is, you know, I'm, I'm on the closer side to health conscious than most, but it was still very eye opening and so very helpful. So I say all that to say, Apple's, you know, reach out, you know, visit his website, you know, see what he has to offer and share because we have a unique resource here in Doc Rick. So, all right, take it away, Doc Rick. Okay, so I just want to I just want to touch on what you were just talking about with the functional medicine. So, I really commend you, Doctor Sharinda, for seeking out a functional medicine doctor because what you're going to be able to do now, via that route of approach to your health, is that that person is going to try to get to the actual root of the problem rather than putting a uh, fancy prescription Band-Aid on the problem, and you're actually going to be able to address the problem at the root cause, and then they're going to want to put you on the correct diet for you, the correct vitamins and supplements for you, and anything else that is recommended that's going to maintain the new you once the uh, problem has been addressed. So I commend you for that. That is something that people don't even realize is even an option. And it is. Unfortunately, a lot of times that option is not covered by insurance, and that's a big hurdle. You have to have uh, your health more than anything. So if you have to spend some extra money on your health, I think that it's worth it. But health is foremost. So that was one thing. And then the other thing is if you are in a healthy state and able to be mobile, then one of the things that you will be able to do is one of life's big, uh, big things in life is to be able to make an impact on others. So if you're feeling well, you'll be able to help others more likely. So you want to be able to help people that need your help. So you have to be at your best. You have to be mobile. You have to be healthy. And then you can help others. And that's what life is all about. If you can do that, you've made your impact while you're on this earth. So turning now to the final uh, pillar that we'll talk about today, which is exercise. And I'm just going to break it down. I'm not going to talk about weight training or stretching, which is important, but I'm going to talk about my, prefer, my preferred form of aerobic exercise, although it's actually not considered an aerobic exercise, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So 
I was uh, introduced to high-intensity interval training by a friend of mine who's also a podiatrist um, about 12 years ago, and I found the concept very intriguing. So I started doing it myself, and then I actually made my own variation of it to make it more realistic because I have seen some prescriptions for high-intensity interval training, which is basically fast, slow, fast, slow, that are unrealistic. So it has to be realistic depending on your age and your activity level. So high-intensity interval training is a method of exercise in that you're going fast bird, short, fast bursts, bursts of speed, and then you slow down to recover. And you do that a number of times, and then you're done. And it is about a 10 to 12-minute exercise. And because it's, a, it's such a short time, it's not actually considered an aerobic exercise, but you're actually going to, and the reason it is not is because you're not going for 25 minutes to, to then reach the fat-burning part of the exercise. You're cutting it short before you get to that. But guess what? In, by doing this technique, when you stop exercising after that 10, 12-minute uh, exercise that you did, you're going to start burning fat for the next 12 hours. So it's even better than going for an hour at one speed. So I'm going to tell you uh, the, the way that I do it. And basically, you can do this any different way that you want. But you can, I'll tell you, my preferred way for myself is I go out in front of my house in the morning on my street and I sprint for 20 seconds. Then I'll walk for about 45 seconds, catch my breath. Then I turn around and come back the other way, 20 seconds. I do that about six times. And then, so it's a 20-second fast interval with a recovery of about 45 seconds a minute. Then after those six, then the final three is a 15-second sprint and then a 45-second to one-minute recovery after that one. So the, final, so the trick on this is when you do the final three, which is a shorter time, you do them at a faster speed. So the 20-second speed is going to be fast. The 15-second speed is going to be faster. And if you do that, you're going to embrace the benefits of the high-intensity interval training concept, which is building your body up rather than wearing your body down. And that's why I'm a fan of, long-distance walking easier on the lower extremity than long-distance running, which is guaranteed to cause an overuse injury or something worse, I believe, because of the strain and toll it takes on your body. So I like to keep it short and sweet. So here's another beautiful thing about the high-intensity interval training. You want to try to do it so it's convenient. Because it only takes 10 minutes, I can do it early in the morning, and I get up very early, but... All it takes is 10 minutes. I can do it before I go to work. I can come in, do my exercise, come in and shower, have my breakfast, and go to work. So I, I prefer to do it in the morning. Of course, it helps to energize me for the day and, and give a sense of calm at the same time. It does both at the same time. It energizes and calms you. So it's a perfect way to start the day. And then if, you can't, if you're not a morning person, you could do it any time you want, but to me, I like to do it first thing in the morning, and then I've gotten it out of the way, and it helps me start the day on a really good note. So 
you, I like to say make it convenient. So try to do something in your house or in your building if you're in a condo or an apartment. So do it on the street. You can do it inside your house. You can do it in a pool. You can do it on an exercise bike. You can do it so many different ways. You can do it on a treadmill. So any way you want to do it, you can do it swimming. So that is the key. Make it convenient so that you don't have to get in your car to then go exercise. So if you don't have that hurdle, you're more likely to do it more often. So I like to recommend trying to do this type of exercise Monday through Friday. And then you have to get to the gym on the weekends to do the weights. But some of the benefits of high-intensity interval training are going to be increasing your lung capacity. So you're going to make your lungs stronger. And with COVID, isn't that important? So that's one thing. It's going to make your heart stronger, whereas long-distance running actually makes your heart more inefficient. So you're going the opposite with that. You're going to go and have increased oxygenation all over your body, including your brain. Well, isn't that good? Because we seem to have a very big problem with almost everybody uh, that we see is potentially heading towards Alzheimer's these days. So you want to do everything you can to prevent that because there's not even a known cure for the Alzheimer's today, and it keeps on increasing every year. So you want to do everything you can not to get Alzheimer's. And then, of course, one of the biggest things about high-intensity interval training is that it's anti-aging. It's going to keep your chromosomes long. You're going to stay younger. You're going to stay healthier. And isn't that a nice way to go through life where you can do more things as you're getting older to be able to travel, to be able to uh, go do Disney with your kids and grandkids if you want, to not have to be held back. So I'm going to talk about a few alternatives to some of the older patients that might not be as nimble as me who can go onto my, my street and run. Well, you can do the same thing walking. You can go fast walk, slow walk. You can do a jog, slow walk. There's variations. If you're able to run, then run and then walk. So the greater the speed differential, the greater the benefit. But going even further, for someone that's really not overly nimble, you can take the same concept and you can just get a floor pedal that you can buy at the medical supply store or online, a ped like the pedal to a bicycle. You put it next to a, a regular chair and you can put your feet in without having to spend hundreds of dollars on an exercise bike. You have your pedals. And you can do the same technique by pedaling. Wouldn't cost that much money. You're doing it right in your house. Here's another one. You can go into the pool, into the shallow section, and you can run in place in the pool. And this is perfect for someone that has a lot of arthritis in their lower extremity, or because it's going to being in the water is going to dampen the blow of your body weight going through your legs to your feet. Another alternative is, is I call it chair chair high intensity interval training, where you're sitting in a chair. And all you're doing is getting up and getting down, getting up and getting down, just to the count of 20 seconds and then 15 seconds. And just make sure you do the 15-second ones a little faster. And you're going to get your heart rate up just doing that. And again, you're just right in your, your house or apartment. You're doing it right in a chair. Another one that you can do inside is a jumping jack high-intensity interval training. So one day it was raining really hard outside. I didn't want to get rained on, so... 
I can't. I stayed inside in my living room and I did jumping jack high intensity interval training. So you can you can skin a cat many many different ways with this uh, with this technique. You can do it however you are, whatever is your preferred method of doing things. But I also stress that you want it to be convenient. So not have to get into a car to drive to the gym. Just try to do it in your house, in your building, in the gym, on the street near where you live so that you can seamlessly incorporate it into your schedule, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening. So that is, to me, probably the number one thing that you can do for your health because it covers so many different it has so many different benefits, and it is going to take less of a toll on your body because you're only doing it for a short period of time, so you're automatically cutting down overuse injuries, which is a big problem when people are doing long-distance running. So they're always going to end up with some sort of problem just because of the repetitive nature of it and the distance and the time doing it. It's just a matter of time before something's going to happen. So... It just has so many benefits, and I know that when I spoke to Dr. Sharunda a few years back about this, she started to do it herself, and she was enjoying it. And I'm, and I'm glad that I'm able to at least give my take on it. And, again, I have seen some unrealistic takes on high-intensity interval training where they say, do your fast uh, interval for 60 seconds. That is a, quite a long time to be going fast. I think unless you're like an Olympic athlete, you're not going to be too happy about going fast for 60 seconds, even 30 seconds. When I first started doing it, I was doing 30, and I found that unrealistic, so I dropped it down to 25. Then I went down to 20. And based on an article that was done, they did some research, and they said that basically the magic number that you want to add the fast intervals up to is two minutes. So once you do the two minutes of fast, so you have your 20 seconds six times and 15 seconds three times, you're going to be over two minutes with that prescription. So once you, got, once you have your two-minute mark of the fast intervals, not counting the recovery intervals where you're just going to be walking very slow, you're going to catch your breath, and then you're going to do it again. So that's all you need. And so... You are, and there's been studies done on this so that there's scientific research to back it up, which is great. So it's not just hearsay and it's not just me telling you, but there's actual scientific studies that prove all of this. So it's a, a great thing to incorporate into your life. Exercise is something that you want to schedule into your daily activities uh, between stretching, going to the gym and doing weights, or doing rubber band resistance at home, and doing your high-intensity interval training. And that's, the, that's the, big, the big three when it comes to exercise, and that's something that, of course, is intricately involved with your feet. So you put your foot in a good place with the right shoe, with a comfortable orthotic that's going to do something, and hopefully it's not too expensive, and then make sure that just as you schedule your meals every day, make sure you schedule some sort of exercise into your routine every day. And then you're going places. Right. And that's all I have for now. That's all I have for tonight, Dr. Sharunda. Well, no, that, that was wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for 
that information. I mean, you know, even though I am familiar with HIIT training, I was steady taking notes just to refresh my mind again. You know, what I really like, what is really attractive to me just as, you know, a working mom with young children, multiple business, you know, I'm doing after work, all of that. I like that with HIIT workouts, I can start at my own pace and it does not take up a lot of time. You know, as much as I enjoy, you know, the de-stress of working out in a long workout session, you know, my husband and I, we work out in, you know, in the, in our at-home gym often, and I like it. It just, it takes a lot of time, you know? Um, and so for me, HIIT workouts are effective, highly effective. I mean, Doc Rick explained, you know, in great detail why they're, you know, effective and they don't take a lot of your time and you can start at your own pace. I have a lot of patients that like to walk, and I tell them, and they have some time on their hands because they're retired. So I tell them, do the high-intensity interval training as part of your walk, a fast walk, slow walk, at the beginning of your walk. And then if you want to walk for another hour after that, well, be my guest. As long as you're in a good shoe with a good support under your foot, then go ahead and you can keep walking. And if, if that's what you want to do and if you have the time to do it. So that's fine. Um, if, just as a, a quick thing, that if anybody wants to go see my actual prescription in writing and the reasons uh, in writing for the high-intensity interval training, on my website, startwithyourfeet.com, there is a free ebook download for high, it's an ebook for high-intensity interval training, and in it, it shows the prescription as I, as I spoke to you just tonight, but it has it in writing, so it's always good to see it in print also. So you can just go refer to that. Um, it's on, I think it's on the blog page, and you can download that for free and Wonderful. get that information and use it, as a, use it, and use it as a guide. Yes. Well, good. Okay. Because I was, you know, taking notes as far as, you know, your time frames, but that is very helpful. So I'm going to take advantage of that. So thank you so much, Dr. Rick. Thank you, Apples, for tuning in this Sunday. This has been such a fruitful conversation. Um, I think that it's a lot of food for thought. Tying it all together, you know, we have to take care of our bodies. And, you know, there is the spiritual and there's the natural. And yes, we do what we're supposed to do in the spiritual when it comes to the natural, I mean, there are certain things that we've got to do to truly honor our temple. So, Dr. Rick, you have been a wealth of information. Thank you so very much. Again, you guys can reach out to him. You can connect with him. All of his information will be in active links down below. All right, the Apples, that is it for this episode. Until next Sunday, remember, I am Dr. Sharonda Simone, and I will either see you at the top or from the top. You decide. Bye.